So, welcome to CC Talks episode 9. Today I'm joined by Joseph Carson, he's Chief Security Scientist over at our friends at Thycotic. Joe, welcome. It's a pleasure to be here, thank you. One of the things I'd really like to understand from you is uh, around this topic of lease privilege. Mm -hmm. um, so let's start at the beginning. What, what exactly is lease privilege by your definition? Well, the definition of lease privilege is making sure that you have the minimum administrator or permissions uh, for an employee, whether it being you know, a user or physical access, in order to perform their tasks, or okay. for them to perform their job function. So they should have just enough to allow them to make those decisions, to run the applications, but not too much that allows them to be able to abuse, for example, security controls or access to things they should not have. Okay. Do you think that it's quite widely adopted? Where are we? We're at the <laughs> early beginning. Um, many of the problems was that uh, when organizations had tried to attempt this years ago, many years ago, mm. uh, it was a very, you know, uh, too much enforcement. They turned everything off. You, mm. you, they take away your ad local administrator account, right. and next thing you were a standard user. Yeah. And when you're a standard user in most environments, you can't even change the clock time. You yeah, can't connect it. to Wi-Fi. You can't install yeah. printers. So it really kind of went to the complete reverse where it started to impact their productivity and efficiencies. And when that happened, of course, many help desk calls were then uh, raised and cost of the organization went up. Um, and it meant that uh, in the end, organizations kind of, kind of crumbled and mm. they decided that we're not going to deal with this. We're going to just give them local administrator access. So all of the users then became overprivileged yeah. um, rather than having a least privilege approach. And that's been a, a major issue for many years because um, me doing ethical hacking, it's my primary way of gaining access. Sure. I look for those users in order to exploit them. Of course, yeah. Strange, because I think uh, we've gone, got, gone full circle in some regards mm -hmm. as well in regards to the way that we think about access as well. We think about how we used to think about access 20 years ago, mm -hmm. important information and stuff that mattered to the enterprise was locked in safes. Yep. It was treated with respect, whereas it feels that like we've kind of got this thing where it's just permissions have spooled out of control, people have access to all sorts of stuff they shouldn't have access mm -hmm. to. It causes chaos, and that's something you see yourself. Absolutely. I mean, I've been doing this for you know yeah. close to thirty years now, which is a bit scary. <laughs> and we've done this kind of kind of complete. I call it the pendulum swing back and forward mm -hmm. over the years. And what's happened more uh, is that we we tend to try to repeat the security traditional method we've done in the past, yeah. which is put more perimeter, more controls around the outside, and you know more endpoint protection, mm -hmm. uh, more firewalls, more DNZs, and so forth. And it's the wrong approach because as technologies evolved over the years, connectivity's increased. Mobility has also been a you know, huge practice. Organizations have moved their operations to SaaS models or cloud. So I think really the kind of approach that traditional method no longer applies today. Mm. And going back to your methodology you know, of, of the bank or the vault, absolutely. When I talk about security, I tell organizations, don't build it from the outside in. You actually build it from the, the most important part of your organization, which sure. is probably in many cases either data or people sure. or the combination of both. And the important thing is that you actually have to build your security around those from the inside. When you build a bank, you don't build it from the walls, you right. actually build it from the vault. And then you decide, okay, what are you protecting? You know, what's in that vault? What's yeah. the data? What's the assets that's important to you? Sure. And then that determines what type of vault do you need? Right. Uh, does, it, does it have to be something of concrete or something of, of steel? Yeah. And then you determine that, well, who needs to have access to that vault in order mm. to make the decisions? Uh, do you want to have that minimized to a certain amount of people or do you want to have it broken up into mm. multiple vaults? That meaning that certain assets, your bonds may be in one vault, your cash may be in yeah. another vault. So then you break it up and what we refer to that as de-risking it. You de-risk your data into mm. multiple you know, mm. repositories or data lakes and then determine the access that's needed for it. You may not want to have one person accessing multiple at the same right. time. 
So banks build it from the inside out. And that's not just from a physical uh, way, but also from a digital perspective as well. They build their vaults from the inside out. Yeah. And this is what organizations need to change uh, the direction to. So becoming more data-centric is, 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 is really your suggestion there, you think? I mean, that... uh, absolutely. Data-centric, understand the data that makes your organization work, yeah. understanding the value that that data has. That's a big task in itself, isn't it? Understanding absolutely. what the risk is and what you want to protect. I mean, that's a massive understatement. I think organizations probably, they, they've got themselves into a big situation where they've collected a lot of data, probably too much, yeah. and they're hoping to find use in the future for it. Um, therefore, when they do these data impact assessments, they're not re really sure, sure. <laughs> what data is valuable and what's not. Right. Uh, but when you get down to any core business, the core business itself is, you know, still, you know, relates to specific type of data. Mm. Um, so yeah. if your health, then it's going to be the patient data. Sure. That's crucial. And then you want to determine how you anonymize that data. Do you want it all in one big vault, which is a big risk? Or do you want to actually have it separated into, here's my contact information, here's the health information, and then you actually link the data together using indexes or using references mm. or pointers. Uh, not putting everything in one location and then when you have a, a compromise, then everything is, is, is breached. Yeah. So really it comes down to thinking about what data makes your organization valuable, right. doing a data impact assessment on that data, and then next you determine what security controls that you need to actually apply to those. Mm. You may have things that require you to be compliant, whether things like PCI, ISO, uh, whether well, it's been HIPAA, SOX, Cyber Essentials here in the UK. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So really looking at what compliance is required for that type of data and then apply the appropriate access controls on top of it. Mm. This is what organizations really need. You know, that's what you, you need to understand what's critical to keep you going. Yeah. Um, so that's what, what needs to happen. It's just I, I, I wonder how a lot of the enterprises that we engage with at a fundamental level, they haven't even begun that process. <laughs> the, the, the problem is that they're still looking at it from a technology perspective. Yeah. They're, they're looking at it from basically you know, systems uh, and yeah. applications running. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, of course, it was backup everything. Um, so now, because of course, storage has become very cheap, and sure. therefore back up everything, collect everything, and we'll figure out what we need to do with it later. <laughs> it's the wrong approach. Uh, you really need to think about, well, what data makes your organization tick? And this is really yeah. what, you know, when I talk about then the scissors role mm. is, again, is, is the problem we have is the same thing is the scissors role today is to keep the system running, mm. is to keep making sure that, you know, and sometimes the mandate from the executive board is go solve all our cybersecurity problems, right. which I think is... It's kind of, unsolvable. That's, that's you can't, ridiculous. <laughs> you can't, you yeah. know, even, even yeah. the cybersecurity awareness person that's in organizations have been saying, your mandate is go and solve all our cybersecurity challenges. Yeah. And anyone that has that type of approach is, is set up for failure because sure. we will never solve cybersecurity. No. Cybersecurity is a, a, it's a basically a space. It's, a, it's an industry. It's a challenge. What you can do is you can look at a business and say, well, what is the cyber risks of that business? Mm. And understanding about who's the people that's important, to what's the data that makes up uh, important for the organization. Mm -hmm. If that data was not available, you know, how long could the business survive for? Mm. Um, what's the impact financially to the business? And these are the things that the scissors should be really focusing around is that their job is to help make sure the business is successful mm. using their cybersecurity knowledge to reduce the cyber risk. Okay. That's the reverse approach that we should be taking in this industry. Mm. You think the role of the CISO should be more business focused? That sounds, sounds like what you're saying here, yeah? Yep, it's a yeah. business focused person that um, one is has very good understanding at communication. Communication mm. is crucial. Yeah. They need to be educated and understanding about, of course, cyber risks. Um, but they need to be a very business-first approach. Yeah. Um, the failure that this is, has done in more recent years is we've done a lot more pushing and enforcement uh, yeah. on the business, saying this is what we need to be doing, these are the policies you need to be enforcing, 
in order for us to be secure. Mm-hmm. And in many cases, the executive board are listening, but they're not really understanding about no. how that applies to the business. It's not been translated into a language that's understood by the rest of the Cor- business. Correct. Yeah. And I think the CISO really needs to probably spend, in 2019, it's the year the CISO needs to listen. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. listen to the peers in HR, sales, yeah. marketing, yeah. you know, finance, listen to the board, yeah. and understand, the, you know, ask the questions, what, what, what are, are the motivations? Measuring? What is it that makes them tick? And how yes. can I translate this into that? Correct. Mm. And that's basically what I see is the, is the transition that we will go over the, this year and next year, right. is that the scissor role will become a very business focused mm. and their responsibility will be you know, a business first approach. It will be in, in, in basically uh, enabling a cyber awareness culture within the organization. Yeah. Mm. It will be, of course, meeting compliance uh, and also making for some organizations that will be actually promoting a security brand, mm. helping security be an enabler for the business Interesting. Uh, moving forward. This is the, the, the evolution of the scissor role. Yeah. Uh, maybe the name will change over, over time, it's the same, yeah. uh, but I think that the only way to be successful is if they align themselves to business success. Do you, you travel a lot, um, so you've just got back from RSA and you do all of these shows all over the world. What, yes. what, do you find the attitudes towards security differ massively depending on where you are in the world? I think there's slight differences, but I think the problem's the same. The yeah. challenge we have the same. Yeah. You know, what yeah. we're protecting is, is very similar. We're, you know, protecting data, value, services that the organization's products that they're developing. Same creating. level of maturity, would you say, though, in terms Absolutely of... Absolutely not. No. De- definitely not the same level of maturity. No. Um, it, it's some industries, you have industry maturity, yeah. um, and basically culture and society maturity, there's, there's differences. And I think some of it comes mm-hmm. down to... Uh, one is who who cyber criminals are targeting. Mm. Yeah, of um, course. North America clearly is. Yeah. Yeah, North America from an English language that will target English language first, mm. and because it's the larger population that you can actually easily abuse. Sure. Uh, so sometimes it's also you know, so like any type of marketing campaign yeah. is who do you want to get first? Right. And yeah. cyber criminals will use that uh, same approach. So I think um, there's also a level of education as well. Is that education becomes a fundamental part of uh, what we're doing is that the earlier we educate, the more aware we make people, um, the more better ways they can identify the threats also yeah. has a crucial impact too. And also uh, compliance regulations also, while it's sometimes a reactive approach, organizations react to it, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes they do push good practices on businesses to adhere to. So it has a positive impact. Of course, yeah. Um, but some misunderstanding is so some people think compliance means you're secure. <laughs> yeah. um, it just means you're compliant. Yeah. <laughs>